You know, all of your shit comes down on my head. Oh, Frank, look, th no, this is... let me talk. It's like you're a big bird with radar, and I'm tired of getting hit. Is this my fault? This is nothing. I've got union lawyers threatening me, and there's talk of a walkout. Well, let them. They're not teaching anything down there anyway. Then it's your job to not do something about it. Not one of them has a personal stake in that school, Frank. Not one. The fire chief was just here. He says it's illegal to bar those doors. Mrs. Barrett is organizing a parents group to try to get you removed since you insulted them at that meeting the other night when you suggested that they get off welfare. Oh, I didn't mean that. Because the fact is, quite a few of them needed. I wasn't talking to all of them, Frank. Now, look, you came and recruited me, man. You disappoint me, brother. You disappoint me. The disappointment here is you. Me? Yes. Look, you know who I am. You know me 30 years. You knew what I would do. You know Nigga, how I Nigga, can operate? you keep quiet? The fact is, you're screwing up. You're alienating everybody. Look at you, you have no life. Your wife left you. I ought to walk out on you myself. Well, go ahead, bail hell on out. But I said I would back you up. That's what you said, Frank. That's what you said. Brother, I will go to the fire with you. But you are not taking care of business. This shit you're pulling now, you're just going plain loco. Now, you suspend Darnell. What the hell was that? Darnell is symptomatic of the disciplinary problem. He is that a good, young black teacher. So he dumped that desk right on top of your head. Well, right on. Good for him. You will reinstate that man, you hear? And then you fire Mrs. Elliot. Why? Because she didn't want to kiss your ass. Well, I wouldn't either. How about that? Mrs. Elliot has an ego. Yeah, well, you lost the best teacher we had. We couldn't get her back now if we wanted to. I don't have time for Mrs. Elliot's problem. Well, you better make time. We are being crucified by a process that is turning blacks into a permanent underclass here, Frank. A permanent underclass. No, no, see? Nobody wants to talk about that. Nobody. Mrs. Elliot's missionary zeal about Mozart has nothing to do with our problem. Nothing! What good is Mozart going to do a bunch of children who can't go out and get a job? Joe, your personal battles are going to cost us the war. Worry about the test scores. What the hell you think I'm worried about? End of discussion! Debate is over. You will write a formal apology. I will what? A formal apology for your treatment of Mrs. Elliot and Darnell and for your vicious and thoughtless insult to the women of this community. You will kowtow. You will step and fetch. Frank, if you think you can get me. Get used to it. It's the way of the world. If you're so hot on discipline, then goddammit, start by accepting mine. Because contrary to popular opinion, I'm the head nigger in charge. Come on, let's get something to eat. Boy. You really think you you're really bad, think don't you bad, really don't bad, really don't bad, really don't bad, don't bad. Another episode of City Hall Podcast with Marsha and Dre. My brothers, how are thou? 
I'm good, King. How you, yeah. man? Man, I could be a lot better, but you know what? And somebody said this morning that I won't complain, so that's what I'm going to hold on to today. Amen, amen, bro. Um, yeah, so this is a special episode of the State of Hall podcast. We want to switch it up, do something just a little bit different, right? Right. Um, first and foremost, I hope y'all enjoyed last week's episode with Artist 232. I hope you found some good information, some good songs, some something to spice up your playlist. Um, I, I, I hope you enjoyed that. And so we wanted to follow that train just a little bit and bring somebody else through and have a great and fantastic conversation about the one thing all three of us have in common is education. So I went and dug through my network and landed on my best friend, somebody that has known me through this teaching game for a very, very long time at this point. Has seen up, down, left, right, diagonal, you know. He's seen more than these two people that, that's, that's on this podcast with me every week, man. So I want y'all to do me a favor and give a round of applause and a rousing welcome to now Dr. Fabian McGill. Yes, sir. Sir. Welcome, welcome. My brother, can you do me a favor and introduce yourself to the people? For those that may not know you. <laughs> I, I appreciate it, my brother. I appreciate it. First of all, of course, I got to say thank you both. Uh, thank you all to allowing me the opportunity to join your, your podcast today. It's a blessing as usual to be able to just get out and learn a little bit from you all. Um, but as my brother said, my name is apparently now Dr. Fabian McGill. Still didn't get used to that. Um <laughs> But I'm just a country boy, born and raised, just here to share some knowledge or share anything that I have to give and have a good time while doing it. Long story short. What's with that? Thank you, brother. And y'all know how we do over here at the State of Howe Podcast. We, we, before we get into anything, we like to do check-ins with the bros. And so we're going to start with you, Dr. McGill. The question is, on a scale of 1 to 10, how are you mentally, physically, spiritually, all of that? You can give it all as one whole thing or individually how you want to. 10 oh, being I'm amazing and on top of the world. One is I'm struggling and I need help. Nah, nah. Okay, good to know. I'll definitely say I'm about a eight and a half, nine today. You know, um... Getting my body physically back right. Just got out of the gym, been a couple of days. So I'm like, oh, I'm weak. So, you know, <laughs> but other than that, man, emotionally, mentally, I'm feeling good. I'm here. I'm alive. Can't complain. No need. It don't change nothing anyway. So I'm well. Drake, what's that you? Um, so I'm probably at a seven, seven and a half. Uh, my car went out earlier this week and that kind of. Made everything, yeah. Being uh whipless, vehicleless at this big old age is terrible. I don't care if we got Uber or not. Them them Ubers and lifts add up. So you know, um, just still trying to remain um glass half full and upbeat. So I would say uh yeah, about about a seven. Work is cool. They fixed the AC in my room, so I can't complain there. Um. All of that family, everything, everybody's still doing well. So I'm blessed in that aspect. So 
Outside the whip being messed up, you know, I, I'm I'm content. Seven, seven and a half. Meach. Uh yeah, I think I'm about at an eight, eight and a half as well. Um everybody doing cool. I guess I'm still getting settled with the bustle of the start of the school year. And I know it's like week five <laughs> for most, but like it typically takes me about that first quarter to get everything in order with schedules of my kids, what they're going to do, schedule of my students, parents, all that stuff. And just trying to find uh, what's going to be uh, the system this year of communicating with parents and all that stuff right now. So I'm kind of figuring things out. Definitely don't look at my desk because I definitely don't have a ton of papers to grade right now, but here's what it is. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, but yeah, I'm about, I'm about 8.5 because I think I'm used to most of the chaos. You know what I mean? So yeah, I'm good, man. Great, great. Great to hear that from everybody. Um, I would say for myself, um, Honestly, truly, I'm at a five. Um, but as I said, I won't complain. Doing the best that I can with what I got. But, you know, as long as I'm still breathing, it's still t- a chance for it to get better. So, um, so yeah. With that being the case, um, as I said earlier, this is going to be a special episode of the Study How Podcast. Um, I brought my brother on here because I want to have a conversation about education, right? Um, again, all three of us on this podcast are educators in some way, shape, form, or fashion, right? We may have coached before. We may have been a guidance counselor. We may have been, you know, teaching. We may have been doing after-school care. We, we, we have served in education in some way, shape, form, or fashion, right? And so I brought my brother on here because I want us to have a honest conversation about education, but I also wanted him to talk about his experience in education and, you know, how he got to where he is now, as well as, you know, what he's doing in education to, you know, set, you know, the next path for those people to follow, you know? So with that being the case, brothers, anybody want to start? Uh, I'll go ahead and, and, and set the tone. Yeah, so yeah, I'll go ahead and set the tone. I just, I just want to get a, a good understanding of like, how did you end up here at this point? Kind of, were you always, did you always envision yourself uh, starting your own school or finding your own school? Or was it kind of gradual? Kind of what steps led up to you at this moment uh, currently? Uh, great question, my friend. Great question. So it's a long journey, honestly, as all things are. But the the short version of that is I was always in the gifted classes growing up in, you know, school. I was always in the, you know, talented GT classes and courses of that nature. Ended up going to the college that I went to, which was College of Charleston. When I got there, I guess I had an eye opening experience, as some would say, where I realized my top level didn't even compare to what some of my friends had experienced. Right. Um. Getting to college, realizing I was like, oh, my gosh, I wasn't prepared for it. So a lot of that kind of came from that internal digging, trying to figure out, do I even need to be here? Um, (laughs) And if I feel like this and I was the quote unquote in the top. Right. What did my other classmates experience Um, and what did they get exposed to? So, again, being in the educated world in South Carolina. um, I guess I don't know if you gents have heard it's called the corridor of shame. Anybody familiar with that terminology? 
Uh, no, sir. Put us on. Put us awesome. on. Um, yeah, man. Y'all need to do a little digging, brother. It's an interesting educational, I guess, case. If you look into it, it's called the Corridor of Shame. And it's really, um, if you look through the state of South Carolina, there's a highway, Interstate 95. And basically, during the time period, if you trace that interstate all the way down that line in a lot of the rural communities, um, like myself, where I was born, um, basically, there was a court case that showed that we had experienced the, the bottom of the bottom, right? To kind of keep it basic. Um, all of those schools that was aligned with that, they basically were getting the, the basic form of education compared to everybody else. Now, this was some old things that took place, but again, just not knowing that and just growing up in education, right? It's just like an eye opener. It's like, wow, okay, this is something that's still taking place and still something that I was impacted by. And so seeing that when I got into college and I was just like, well, if this was my experience and I'm supposed to be the cream of our crop, right? Then what, again, like I talked about earlier, what were my friends missing? And that kind of pushed me to want to dig a little bit deeper and kind of want to then open up my own school to kind of help expose students to those opportunities that I didn't even get a chance to see. You know, I got a lot of, I got a lot of chances in school, but obviously, <laughs> you know, now, knowing what we know now, there's so much more out there, especially in that K through 12 arena that you could have been exposed to. So nutshell answer for that i hope i answered your question there no you did i, I appreciate oh it, it's funny that you mentioned that because i also uh was in gifted program from like third grade all the way up um and it's so funny that it was almost like a a split almost to like does he have adhd or is this stuff just not challenging because on a whole we weren't being brought up to the same standard. Uh, they had an idea of where most students coming from my neighborhood would kind of fit in. And because I was finishing tests 20, 30 minutes earlier, faster, and just starting to talk to people and do stuff like that, they was like, you know, they they, they didn't know. But like, that's why this one teacher, Mr. John, I'm, ever gonna, I'm always going to keep her in my heart. She was like, well, maybe y'all need to get them tested for gifted first before y'all start doing the psychoanalyzing of like sending them therapists and stuff like that and trying to get them in spit, you need to see if he's gifted. And lo and behold, on everything but math, and that still reigns today, I was in, I was in gifted for every subject except math. So it was, and it, and it helped me, but I always think, uh, to, even when I go into these S-team meetings or getting started with these S-team meetings, I'm always I'm always thinking about her and like if she wasn't there to like just bring this up this one time, how my life may have been so much more different. Um, and it's funny that you mentioned that your experience versus how you wanted to create this space. Um, and I, I just wanted to ask you, because we're all for African-American men, all in realm of education to you. How do you think? Um, we are kind of viewed African American men in society. How do you think we're kind of viewed um, in 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 our place in education? And like part of that is, do you think it's a fair evaluation of uh, kind of where we've been placed at, where we've been put at? <laughs> Great question. Great question. Actually, before I answer that, I do want to piggyback off of something you said. It's funny how you mentioned that because actually that was a similar situation for me except I didn't have a teacher to advocate for me as that, you know, 
But they said, listen, they kept calling my parents like, listen, this boy is ADD, ADHD. Get him on some medicine, right? And I was blessed enough for my mom to advocate for me and take me another route, you know? Um, so to kind of tie that into your question, I think a lot of the times black males, especially, man, that's a touchy subject because I got to answer that appropriately, right? Um, the political response <laughs> is that in the educational arena, you, I guess the norm is that we have a lot of female teachers who are not black. I'll just keep it at that. Um, and in that space, I guess they're not used to a black male student. And not that they, they don't have the expertise or they don't have the credentials to teach us. It's just that they don't have the background knowledge to understand the differences in how we interact and how we go about what we do. Um, so understanding that, you know, it's just, as a student, they view us as either aggressive or too hyper in the classroom to kind of learn that state, that space, unless they know how to work with our behaviors. Um, but as black men, once we be stepping into the educational arena, I think we're used in the light to work with those black males as disciplinarians. Um, which is why you see a lot of black men as, unfortunately, you know, depending on the grade level, um, depending on the school system, you'll see a lot of black men get promoted a lot faster um, simply because they want you to be that disciplinarian in the school. Right. If they have that high population of students. Um, and so it's easier for us to get trapped in that space. So I think it's beneficial to make sure um as a educator, I think it's important that we stand up as black men and stress that we are instructional experts as well, not just behavior management people. Um, so long story short. It's interesting that you bring that up and that you ask that question too, because one thing that I often admire about Fabian is his work ethic as well as his ability to educate students right because based off of that that answer that he just gave you know it it speaks to the what is it the landscape for most black male teachers right but one thing that i don't think is talked about enough is how a lot of that is even used like in the classroom, if that makes sense, like that, that, that authority or that authoritative type of energy or type of, you know, tone that you approach you know, your students with. It's like, oh, yes, we know you're a teacher and you have your own class, but can you do this in the hallway, too? Can you serve on lunch duty and do that as well? Can you serve on recess? Can you serve on bus duty and do these things as well? Right. But then they won't, you know they won't promote you to put you in the space or give you the, the, the ducats that go with doing that type of emotional work and labor. Right. But I, what I, but what I've always loved about Fabian is how we've always like been springboards for each other. As far as our classroom management It's like, we always used to be like, you know, is we doing too much? Is this, is this, you know, was this a lot? Was I doing a lot? But what I've recognized though, is that, we've built better relationships with the students then at that point, right? Because then sometimes you ain't got to go that hard or you ain't got to get to that point. 
and that energy can be used in a different manner, right? So I definitely appreciate you speaking on that and you uh, asking that question because that I think that that's something that's not spoken on enough. And I think those relationships is what, you know, sets your foundation for better, what we'll say, school culture, not even just classroom management, but school culture on top of that. So, yeah. I think, I think it's, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No. Well, I was just about to piggyback off of that. Um, sorry, Marsh. You know, just to let the people know as well, you know, relationships, like you said, is the key. And, you know, that's something that we've always been, you know, big on. And I think that was also a turning point for me. And I don't know if I mentioned that, but once I got into restorative practices, man, that completely changed the narrative um, for how I started operating in my classroom. You know, and you know where I started at. <laughs> the first school I was at, my after school duty was to go into the neighborhood to make sure my kids can walk home safely. Right. It's to make sure the kids wasn't fighting each other at the grocery store across the street. So it was a different environment, you know, um, which is why I had to get some type of extra support um, and toolkits in my bag so that I can be successful in that arena. So, yeah, I, I think it's funny just off of the I don't know if you guys ever experienced this and y'all can speak to it if you have. Um, I think we get a door in with kids relationships because they see somebody that look like them or might look like their uncle or their dad or something like that. Right. Um, but I've had this happen to me a few times where, like, they start very informal with you. No matter how you dress, no matter what you, it's like, I'll dap you up. But then it's like, bro, I'm a, and I'm like, one of my key words, this, this, my, my key saying this year is like, I'm not your bro. I'm not bro. Right. But then you got to see that look of betrayal on their face where they like, they realize, oh, you're part of the school. You're not like. We're still, and we can, and then you have to rebuild that up. Like we're close, we can be close, but understand, right? I am still, like I'm still. This is still my classroom. We still got to run into when you see me. There's still a level of respect. So that's one thing that nobody else ever has to deal with, but we do because they start very like comfortable. Like they start comfortable with us, and then we have to rebuild the comfortability with them being like, oh. Right. Okay. So you're not just uncle. No, I'm not uncle at all. I'm your teacher and I love you to death. But like that's I think I was thinking about that like phenomenon that happens with us. And I don't know if you guys ever seen it, but they always got that look like, wait, hold on. You're not here to just to kick it with me? No, actually I'm not. I'm here to like, you know, so yeah. Y'all can yeah. speak on that a bit. Now I take advantage of it, if I'm being honest. You know, like that's I think that's a gift we have. You know, and I, I think other teachers see that and other people realize that. And I guess they don't know how to term it, how you just did or phrase it the way you just did. But really, I like I said, I, I take that and I spin it because if you already are giving me that level of trust, that just lets me know, OK, perfect. Now, let me show you instructionally what we're about to do. And then during that process, I can go in and keep building that relationship back. You know, so a lot of the times I think that's when I always tell people, listen, if you you can't teach them until you reach them. And the beautiful part about us, they already want to connect with us. So it's we're not fighting an uphill battle. Ours is the instructional battle. Once we get past that, like you said, I'm not your friend. I'm your instructor. I'm your educational expert and I'm here to help you however you need help. But it's not outside like I'm your brother or your cousin, you know, so. 
and I, I love that you brought that up too. And and I want to say this, and then Dre, I definitely you got it. Um, gotcha. I I a hundred percent take take advantage of those types of relationships because people always ask me how you have such great classroom management because we cool, but we ain't cool like this. Like we not we not buddy. But I tell my kids. If you see me outside of school, you didn't. Okay, we don't know each other outside. Outside of these, we don't know each other. Love you to death, but we don't know each other. Okay, but I'm gonna speak. Come on, I'm gonna speak. You gotta speak. I mean, I see you avoiding me. If I see you avoiding me, I'm not gonna speak. But you gotta speak. You because you know they go, Mister. It's not even the same type of greed. They're not hiding from us, so you can't do that no more. High school is different energy, though. High school is a little different energy. He don't know that. High school is a different energy. Yeah, I had high school. Doesn't depend on the grade, (laughs) right? Like my twelfth graders, I was like, we don't know each other outside of outside of these walls. Like, but I still, I, I still tell them like, however you need me to show up for you, I can show up for you. And those relationships has gotten students who teachers could never get them to do work. I had a child that had been at their school all four years for high school. Teachers could never get the boy to do work. And they look up, he's doing work for my class. And they're like, how did you do that? And I'm like, with the relationship with him. I'm like, my class is easy. I make my class intentionally easy. And we have fun and we do all this other stuff. It's about the relationships. Because then at that point, when I need something advocated for they going to do the work for me. Like, I, I it, it makes my job a lot easier, you know, and especially when it comes to classroom management and stuff like that, because you get that one good student that is the 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 OG of the student, uh, all the kids. Hey, you ain't going to mess with my teacher, man. Don't 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 mess with my teacher. Hey, handle my lightweight. Just handle my lightweight. That's it, you know? So, Dre, what you got? Um, echo kind of similar things that y'all said. I guess with us being in high school, I look at my kids as young adults. So the formality, yes, it is there, but I also understand that in the real world, there will be spaces and places where, you know, it's cool to be informal. So the bruh and bro, I guess it depends on context when it's being used. Like in regular conversation, X, Y, and Z, I can understand that. But if it's like a directive or if I'm saying something, I get a bro or bro back, then that's when it's like, hold up, wait, let me switch the hat from turn the hat around forward to, hey, we cool, like you said, but this this is not that. And, you know, um, also, I think I do a good job of kind of setting that boundary early. Like my kids know I don't do cuss. As soon as you cross my threshold, it's no curses. So you could. Because from Genesis to Revelation, outside 214, as soon as you step inside, they know it's a whole different vibe. So, you know, just being able to kind of balance, like, I think that is one of our superpowers, being able to be that disciplinarian and be that that voice of reason and be that comfort to them. But at the same time, you're going to get this work. You're going to get this instruction. You're going to get this structure that you need. So, um, yeah, it's it's a good thing for me, bro. At least that's how I like to... Um, to view it and you know hearing you all talking meach and dr mcgill y'all probably can um, attest to this but a lot of times when i hear about certain things as far as classroom management or they have to pull you know a, a male teacher in there i always feel like man you know i don't look at it in a bad way but i just kind of look at it as like it's 
kind of wearing ourselves thin and, and pulling from us in so many different ways, shape, form, or fashion. But then it just got me thinking, like, you know, and admin, most of them started as teachers or educators at one point in time or another, and they've had to kind of go through the the turmoil of figuring out, hey, how do I still do my job, but still kind of give grace and leeway to educators? So, um, Misha, Dr. McGill, want to know kind of, as you all are in this administrative, this founder role, what are some of the things that maybe as a teacher you were fed up and now being on the other side, you kind of understand like, oh, this is why X, Y, and Z was needed. Or, oh, this is why Mr. So-and-so was always on our head about this and that. And, you know, either one of you guys can set the stage. <clears throat> Super quiet. Did I, hit it? Did I touch a uh, touchy subject? It's funny that you mentioned that because I am starting to like, oh man. But yes, okay, go ahead, Doctor Good. You got it. Oh, that's a, and I just want to make sure I'm answering the right question. All right. So basically, what's the difference that what I've been in the classroom and now as a a school leader? I guess what has changed for me is that what I'm answering here. Yes, like what has changed and kind of looking back on it, do you see some things now that maybe you understand better now as being outside the classroom than when you were inside the classroom? Yeah, yeah, definitely a lot, man. And and so I guess I got to start here, too. Right. So I, I, I'm not in a space where as a principal, I've had the situation right because I'm, I'm opening a school. But as an assistant principal, I've had that experience now where especially been in the classroom, situation, scenario. Got a kid, they're acting up. You've already tried everything you could try. You've given the kid your love. You've given the kid the sternness, right? You've given them boundaries and it's just not working. So at this point, you like bump it. You got to go. And as soon as you send them out, for some reason, they end up back in your classroom. That was always a pet peeve of mine. <laughs> you know, and it was just, I'm sending them out because they don't need to be in here right now. You know, yeah, and as a teacher, yeah. that would always stress me out. And I would always get into a little um, tip, you know, with my my current AP at that moment. But now with the experience I have, man, it's it's interesting to see the stuff you aren't privy to knowing. Right. Um, in terms of the bigger picture. So now when you're sending that kid out, you may not realize that that kid's home just got burnt down last night or. That kid just saw his mom get into a, a physical altercation with their dad. Now they're just expressing themselves. Right. But in that moment, as a teacher, I may not have been emotionally prepared to even accept that response because they didn't trigger me so much. And that's just me being honest. I don't know if about y'all. I didn't had a kid get me to that point where I'm like, listen, I need a mental break from you so I can actually be a professional before I lose my profession. You know, but last week that happened to me last week. <laughs> you see what I mean? So it's like, I think we've all come to that place. But now being in a leadership role, it's it's evident to one kids shouldn't be missing class time. Right. And that's what we all really. It's all about the kid. So now as a as a leader, I'm trying to make sure I'm preparing our teachers to understand how do we keep them in class as long as we can. Right. And if we can't keep them in class, what can I do as a teacher to change their behavior? Not what am I going to do to change that kid? You get what I mean? So I'm always asking the teacher now, and 
I have to be cautious at how I do it because I never want to put them on the back, you know, on the back pedal to feel like I'm not supporting them. Um, but I always feel now, and again, this goes back to my restorative practice training. I feel like the, the relationship that we have, it impacts the behavior of the other person. Right. So if. If I have a positive relationship with you and I continue to put those, um, I guess, as I one with a visual if you have a brown bag, you can't see in it. And all I'm doing is throwing thumbtacks in it. Right. Negative situation. We have a negative encounter. Every time I see you, I say, hey, you curse me out. And then I get upset and I say, whatever, go. That's a negative in the bag. I can't see in that bag. Right. But now the positive is I drop a cotton ball in it every time we have a positive interaction. So I like to ask my teachers now, you're dropping negative and positive every day. So with that kid in their own bag, if you stick your hand in randomly, you know how much you put in there. Are you going to get stabbed or are you going to have a soft encounter? You know what I mean? So it's that's my big difference now. It's just what are we pouring into that kid to get back? This is not that's a child. They only had in my case, I'm, you know, elementary to middle. So I hear some, you know, we got some high school in. So that's a different ball game. And go that level yet. That's different. You know, <laughs> but elementary you got to think man they're five eight nine ten especially middle school you just emotional so how can i expect you to act properly when i am an adult am still struggling with my own emotions you know what i mean so it's you have to internally start to think what am i doing to trigger what am i doing to reset what am i doing to avoid and navigate um and then reteach so that's been my biggest difference, kind of taking that focus off the kid and putting it back on the adult to say, what can you do now? Long story. Yeah. Long I'm a, I'm a, <laughs> I'm a piggyback off that since y'all know this is my first year. Uh, Dr. McGill, whether you know that I'm doing, I'm teaching full time and I'm also supporting the school as a behavior support. So like I, to me in my head, I'm like transitioning, but like, um, it's funny that was because I often we don't often send kids out of our room anyways. Like we don't typically we don't have these big blow ups in our rooms. So when we I know when I used to look at it like, OK, when I do that, it's a fire. You need to come because I'm not one of those that's every day, every week, you know, uh, that's calling on you. Right. I can handle this. But like if I'm calling now, it's for me. Not for the child. Because if we don't get this child out of here, then we're going to have an issue. Right. But um. But now that I'm like on that other side, I want to be bigger on and I've been trying to be bigger on keeping the teacher in the loop. So I think oftentimes what happens in schools is like that information that you told, that background information that I say we I as admin get a time to sit down and actually talk with the kid and kind of find out or even talk with the parents or just slowly get this trickle down information. Right. Because nobody just puts this out right we're we're taught i got in trouble when i was a child don't be talking about what's going on in my house don't bring it to the school right that's another thing we could talk about for days um but i try to make it a point to like whether i'm using the internal messaging system just to direct message the teacher hey blah 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 is going on if you want to touch base if you if you can either on your planning or after school because again that's another thing i don't want to do is take teachers planning because i was that was that all used to irk my nerves all the time as well. But giving you a little background information, if you feel like you're cool, um, I've got the kid calm. 
let me know. We can get them back in there. If not, can you possibly send me whatever work they can do without you, even though that's always a band-aid because we know without the subject matter expert, it's not really, and I always told my, I told my, you to tell my admin all the time, if I created packets that could do, that they could do without me, what's the purpose of me? You know what I mean? Like why, if I'm facilitating the education, granted, I'm not just giving it to them. If I'm facilitating the education then, and, if, and I'm creating things that could be done alone, they could all be homeschooled. They need me. Um, but the main, the, the one of the things I kind of struggle with and see is the impact of varying degrees of experience on a on a teaching team so i think that's had the biggest impact for me and as i'm watching because we have some teams that have teachers that have been doing it for four or five six years we have teachers as a first year and the level of consistency doesn't always match so what happens how do you try to build that consistency and not necessarily catch that first year teacher up to be with that six-year teacher is but getting them to buy into what they're doing i know oftentimes they don't get to see the other teachers i also don't want them to be the other teacher i want them to develop their own self but i think for me the the hardest part has been because it builds resentment right it builds resentment among a team if you have your seven-year teacher or eight-year teacher and you're getting the kids from a teacher that's one year that doesn't have any classroom management they're coming to you on 10 so about 15 minutes 10 minutes of your first class you're trying to get them to realize they're back in the school and not in the gymnasium. The second part is, okay, now that I got you calm, let's not be a humanities. Don't be social studies and science because that's only 45 minutes anyways. So now I've got 30 minutes to teach you after I've kind of calmed down or one of y'all didn't set something off in his other class and they mad and, man, I can't stand out. She is, oh, ho, ho, whoa, whoa, hi, good afternoon, good morning. What's <laughs> like, you know what I mean? We got to pause and reset that. So for me, I've always been like, well, why we got to do this or why we got to do this when we sitting in PD and going over things. And then I realized now that I'm on this side, it's that anonymous redirection for adults. PD often become anonymous redirection for adults. And so I'm trying to get to the point to where how do I how do I not punish people for being good, but also lift and be encouraging to those who are not there yet? You know what I mean? So that's that that's one thing I can see now that I'm behind the, the curtain is like, well, we're doing this because a lot of people are not being able to meet this standard. But it's me, I'm doing it. Yes, I get it, but like I don't know. I, I, I'm still it's a good question that you ask, because I'm like still struggling with that. But that coming out of class and going back, that's definitely I agree. I agree. Oh, that's a word. <laughs> that's a word. I, I do. I, I say because I know um, we have Dr. McGill at Beach. I'm like, this is probably second or third week in a row. So by now, you should have some some stories or some type of experience to compare. Like, oh, no, they, they weren't tripping back then. We needed X, Y, and Z, you know? So definitely um, appreciate both of y'all uh, sharing. Um, I had a question. I think it just it just left me. Had one went down. Um, I was gonna say I got one. If you ain't got one, go ahead. So, 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 all of us have talked across different realms in sectors of education, right? Um, and if if y'all want to speak on the different ones that y'all have done, you're more than welcome to do so. But my question is, what are some things that y'all have noticed 
right, across the different things that you've done. What are some trends or things that you've noticed across education? Like, what are some things that we can tell the people who may not be, who may not have this kind of like inside, you know, idea of what goes on in the classroom or in the school building? What can you say to the people that y'all have noticed and with maybe some things that y'all have used to kind of combat it or what is it? Reinforce it. That's the word. Um, I set the, set the stage. Um, I think earlier we talked about just, I'm not going to say stereotype, but for lack of better words, like that, I feel like at least in urban settings, which what I primarily have uh, taught at, they look at black men as disciplinarian and not so much content experts. Like usually nine times out of 10, you're being called to grab Tay Tay or grab man, man and calm them down when your content could be on the same level of expertise as that. But no, we don't, we want to come for you with that. We want to come for you to, Hey, get the boys together, uh, stop this fight from happening. So I, I definitely want to echo the fact that, um, educators as well as parents as well. Like, you know, Use if you have African American man in your building, like use them for more than just sports and discipline. Like it's a lot of uh gems and, and wealth of knowledge sitting in some of these buildings, but they only get asked to to put out little fires, to stop a fight or to do X, Y, and Z. So um I think that's one thing that's been pretty consistent around the border for me. Um say another would be just uh because it's so few of us in education, I feel like wherever I've gone and there's been um, male African-American educators, it's almost like a unspoken, unsaid bond. Like, like soon as you, you get there, you see, you look around like, OK, I understand. And, and, you know, it's it's almost like a click. We don't have to speak. We'll have to say too many words. It's just like a, an acknowledgement. We know, OK. We we in here together, cool. And don't be from the culture or from the cloth. Then that's a, a whole new kind of uh, level of commitment. So you know, just being in certain right, ain't that how we got together? Like, just look around. Yeah. You just it's the I, point. I, it's literally like yeah. yeah. So um, that's something that I, I have enjoyed in all my school settings. It's kind of being able to um connect and link with you know guys from different areas all across the country. Only thing we have in common, at least on the outside, is that you know we both black men. But then you get to peel those layers back and see, like, hey, yeah, we, you know, we went through some of the same things, or we feel the same way about education, or we both had troubles with little Timmy in the past, or whatever the case may be. So you know, it's it's little niches and little things that I've seen personally just common from place to place throughout my travels in education. Um, and I piggyback off of that so two and as i was listening two trends that kind of pop up in my mind is the first trend that i guess i've seen or experienced in education is that and not just in terms of black males right in general is that your first year second year teachers when they or your newest teachers let me say it that way your newest teachers come into a school typically get put in the toughest classes um you know, they typically, you know, get those students that the more experienced teachers or the most seasoned teachers in the school or the ones with the most um, sometimes and it becomes a little political. Right. Who have more voice. They'll get the classes that they want. So that's a trend that I have seen. And so I think just being aware of that, if you're coming into education, just to go ahead and prep yourself. 
You know what I mean? Like it's I don't know if that's a common experience across the board, but it's something that I've seen. It's something that when I got in there, um, and again, I told you all when I first started, I was at a Title One school, predominantly black. We had three white kids at our entire middle school. Right. So I, I've been in different environments. So let me backtrack. I've been in that title one with three, three white kids, predominantly black and Hispanic. My second school was a, a medical magnet school. So it was a little bit more diverse. Last school I left from a majority white and Indian population. So I've been in all different arenas, you know, uh, from in here in Columbia. And now where I'm at now, I'm about to go, you know, I'm starting a school in Orangeburg. Where it's going back to rural, predominantly black, you know, so I all the city, the country, the wealthy, uh, the school I just left, man. Y'all know the bubble stuff you get every time you order a package. One of my parents is the CEO of that company. So that was the environment we were coming from. So even when I say that trend of the newest teachers, right, they get those tougher classes. And that's something that as a leader that we have to start being mindful of. Um, and the second trend to say all of that, even in all of those different environments that I've noticed, is that relationships is key. Um, relationships are key. However, it's still up to that person to do the job, whether that's the student, whether that's the parent or the teacher. Right. <laughs> From I'm building that relationship. But kid, you still got to do the work. Parent, I'm going to build a relationship, but you still got to be a parent to your kid. Teacher, I'm going to build a relationship and support you, but you still have to be the educational expert in that classroom and get the job done. So the one thing that I've learned now in my trend is you build them up as a coach. You build that relationship. You either coach up or you coach out. Right. So <laughs> that's been the I guess my two biggest things, noticing where you're going to be able to step into as a the newest group, newest member of the um, family. And then also understanding that you can have the strongest relationship. However, you still got to put that accountability back on them. So those are my two. Yeah, I think I'm going to just use part of the space as like a PSA. But one of my trends, and it kind of goes even back to when mom, like I say, when my mom had me in school, um, parents, please, especially in high school as well, like, if you feel like your kid wants to be in a program or something like that, ask the school about the program, whether it's uh, gifted, whether it's about coding, whether it's about, there's a lot of companies out here that are like asking districts and giving districts money for this. Oftentimes I'll see schools. And if you go to their third floor, which is, might be their attic, there's workbooks of ACT, SAT prep booklets that are still up to date. The problem is, most of the population don't even use it. So they've kind of pushed it to the wayside. But that doesn't mean they can't push their child into doing it. They have the funds and they should be using those funds to address any pop, any part of the population that want to utilize those resources that they have. So parents, please, if you think, OK, my kids in uh, 11th grade and I want them or they in 10th grade about the end going to 11th grade and I want them to take ACT prep, but the school don't offer that. Ask the school first before you assume the school doesn't offer it. When it comes to vocational things, ask the school first before it before you assume that they don't offer it. All right. Do your research, do your homework and go ask them, put the put their feet to the fire in order to I don't care if your child's the only one in that program. If your child wants to do it and you want your child in that, they have to adhere to that because oftentimes what we see, and I've went to schools where 
I was only two of in the gifted, but I also went to magnet schools where everybody was taking honors. There was no quote unquote gen ed classes. And I, what I didn't notice as I becoming, uh, I've been in the teaching world is that they get money for this. They get money for these things. So please, please, please ask your school. And oftentimes if they don't have it, they have a partner school. So the districts will make plans for, we can't give the resources to this school, but we can create a resource where two uh, schools can collaborate to have a program. So regardless of what it is, coding, uh, uh, like I said, AC, ACT, SAT prep, um, as I'm talking to my son about it as he's entering the ninth grade, we're starting that conversation early. Um, that's one of the things I'm starting to see. Uh, one of the big trends is like, I'm telling y'all, so if you listen to this and you're a parent, go and just ask. If you're interested in certain type of programs, especially in high school, I say that because they are getting them ready for that next step, which is the real world. Ask them, what do they have? Don't worry about the, the that's your district school or your zone school and it has a bad reputation and your kid just having to go. I promise you, they get, they get certain funds as well. It might not be as much, but they have to provide those things uh, if there's a, there's a population behind it. That's the first trend. Second trend is, and it's going to go kind of go back into my newer parents. Newer parents, if you are going to a new school, please, please, please. It is your place. It is your right. I'm going to say that to go and tour the school. I know oftentimes maybe we don't have time or send somebody, send a big sister that you trust, send a grandmother, grand. So I want you guys to try to get somebody in to kind of look at the school, take it. Maybe you could even do it during school time for a little bit to where you can go and see what the school is about. So you're just not sure blindly trust, but I don't want people to just blindly trust the school. Let make us make us prove to you what we say we doing or what we going to do for your child. We are doing one thing my mom did. And one thing I made sure I did, I had to take off work to do it for just an hour. I went to my son's school and I got to sit down with the assistant principal for a few minutes, got to talk to him, took a quick tour. I wasn't nobody. I had just got to the state. I wasn't anybody, but I just, and he was able to keep it real with me on certain things and be honest with me on other things. Like, Hey, you know, any questions he answered, he, I asked, he answered and I just got to see. Um, but yes, please, 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 um, be, we want to be partnered with parents. We don't want nothing to be a uh, a surprise. You know, uh, I don't want things to be surprised. So if you think that's not my place, I shouldn't be walking around. No, 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 no. We have your precious commodity here. You have every right to schedule a tour. Or even if, I promise you, teachers love when parents sit in classes. I promise you, we don't care. Because <laughs> nine times out of ten, the parents that want to sit in the classes are the parents we need anyway. Sometimes it'd be the parents that we truly don't need but a lot of times like please come and sit i want you to see what's going on because then when i may have an issue and call you that day you trust me way more than just my name is on a paper and you just heard my name right come talk to me come see what's going on in my class because it you know so that's my second trend i want to push parents to do that as well but that's all i love that i appreciate that um gentlemen do you have any other questions y'all want to ask the doctor here. Um, real quick, doctor, what, what do you do for fun in, in this stage of life with so many things going on? Like, what does fun look like? What does self-care look like? Just kind of outside of work. What what are some things you like to indulge in and relax in? 
Oh, man. I'm a big kid, brother. <laughs> to be honest with you, I'm a big kid. Um, I think the beauty of life, and I just told Martian the other day, I said, listen, the only reason why I'm doing what I'm doing because I kept my child alive. Right? Um, and so what I like to do for fun, honestly, I just got back from doing it. And my self-care is working out. Um, I Transparently, I meditate every day. So I believe how you start your day, right? Honestly, I think of it as a roller coaster. I think and when you, op- when you open your eyes and you first start your day out, you have one or two choices. You can kind of hit the ground running and whatever level you're at, you're just going to maintain and go downhill from there. Right. So picture that concept. So with that, I can either choose to just wake up at that level and go knowing I'm going to go downhill. So I'm, I'm risking waking up at a lower level and then having a bad day. Uh, so something that I intentionally do, I've been doing this for years now, actually, it's crazy to say that. But <laughs> as soon as I wake up, I go straight to YouTube and put on a positive video. Um, and you can go down my YouTube history list. It's all motivational videos. That's it. Um, from Eric Thomas. Any Honestly, it's crazy how many people I listen to. But now, and recently now, moving into leadership is John Maxwell. Right. So just being intentional about what you're doing. So, again, within the first 20 minutes, no, not even 20 minutes with the first 10 minutes of waking up, having a YouTube video going and I'm just doing my morning routine. And that way I'm kind of in my mind, I'm kind of setting myself up on a higher downhill. So that way, you know, if I start up here, even if I have a rough day, I got a farther way to go till I hit my rock bottom you know, versus just risking it and moving. Um, so that's something that I do to make sure I'm staying true to me. Like I said, doing the positive motivational mornings, making sure I meditate at least twice a day to get that little silence mode in. Even if I'm at work and I, matter of fact, it was that Thursday, I told my one of my, told my admin assistant, I said, hey, listen, I just need a moment. And I took a walk. So being in nature, I, I went outside, I walked through the yard, honestly, just being in the woods, um, playing with my dogs, man, just being a kid, honestly, playing my video game, just disconnecting. So something that I found beautiful for me now, and I'm going to see how it goes as a leader. I've heard negative comments already, <clears throat> excuse me, because I do some consulting. So I've traveled a lot, you know, up and down the East Coast. I've done some tra- um, consulting in California as well, man. And I told them every time I said, after I leave work at a certain period, I'm not going to do work. Right. Um, that's something that I got out of the classroom a long time ago, being in that first school that I was in, because as educators, we all know the job never stops. Um, and so understanding that I always say, set yourself up for success, plan ahead, but also you have to find a point to disconnect. And I personally need to disconnect so I can reset. I can't pour from an empty cup. Um, so I always choose one day a week and that's typically, hopefully my Saturdays, you know, things are different now because I'm just recruiting for the school. So most of our Saturdays are gone because we had events and things of that nature on the typical day, man, um, Saturdays. I don't care if you call me or email me. It, the school's not on fire. Even if it is, I can't do nothing until Monday. Right. <laughs> like call the fire department. They're going to put the fire out. We'll figure out what we're going to do. I'll respond on Sunday at Sunday night. Cool. Right? Everybody, we can't go to the building Monday because it's burnt down, you know, but it's just not, you know, but it's in the reality of there's nothing I can do if I'm home. So let me know when I get to work and we'll do work at work, because guess what? We all have a life outside of this. 
I have a wife. I have, a, you know, my pets, which are my kids. I want to be home. I want to be able to say I live outside of work. And that's not for everybody. I know that's different. But that's my personal way of self-care. That's my personal way of making sure that I can come back to work the next day and say, all right, perfect. You know, I left yesterday. It was stressful, but I didn't did so much after work. I don't forgot what happened yesterday. I had a life outside of it. So that's something that I found pretty beneficial for me. Oh, I just had. Go ahead, Dre. Oh, no, no, you got it. All right. Um, I just had because we kind of in talking, we've kind of heard some things, but I want to just kind of ask some very basic questions just so that the listeners and the people they're going to be sharing this with, they understand where your school is, the name of we ain't even got today yet. So let's let's go ahead and get to it, uh, Doc. <laughs> if you can tell me, um, A, uh, what's the name of your school? B, where is it going to be located? Um, and C, what are, what is, what, how is your school? Do you feel like your school is going to set place? And I, I know you said South Carolina, but what, it, what for educators and parents alike, right? Uh, when is it opening? So if you can give us just some basic information there. Oh, yeah, yeah. Thank you for that opportunity. So the school is going to be called the Willie Jeffries School of Excellence. So if you gents aren't familiar or if the people who aren't listening, I mean, people who are listening aren't familiar with Willie Jeffries, he is a legendary coach, uh, a black male, right, um, who coached here in South Carolina State. So the school is going to be in Orangeburg, South Carolina. Um, Willie Jeffries, he's a... A country boy, grow up in what they call Union, South Carolina. He actually broke a lot of records, man. He, he was the first black coach to go coach at a PWI. So he he's done a lot. He has a couple of different, um, actually, I think right now, if you go look at South Carolina State, they either named the field, football field after him, or the stadium. It's one or the other. I get confused. But he is, he's awesome. He's awesome. An amazing man. And so he had the beautiful opportunity again. Once I got brought in, I got a chance to meet him. He's working close with me now. I'm getting a chance just to learn from him. He actually coached a couple of Hall of Famers. So <laughs> he's pretty prominent in the area. So if you guys can look into him, just learn about his story, learn about his history and what he's done to kind of set the stage for us as well. And so, again, just going back to the school, it's going to be called the Willie Jeffrey School of Excellence. It is a free public charter school. Um, no tuition. We accept anybody in the state of South Carolina as long as you can get to the school. Um, <clears throat> and again, it's going to be K through eight. And one beautiful thing about the school is that it's not going to be your typical public education. So I don't know. I've never experienced this type of teaching. And it sounds like it's, you know, how education always recycles the name. Right. So <laughs> basically what we do, we built our school. or We are building our school where form follows function. Right. So a lot of the times when we talk about differentiated learning, we talk about teaching to the individual kid. We're building our school. If you can imagine, actually, we got four educators on this space now. Let's just say we were all teaching the same kids. So basically, we would have one large community space where all four of us are in the same room teaching all these kids. And let's just use um, let's just use eighth grade, for example, Our eighth graders. Um, we won't have more than 25 kids in a classroom. So again, that community space, that means all four of us would have, quote unquote, 25 kids. So we're looking at 100 kids in a community space. I know it sounds a lot, but when you think about it, that community space has four di or three different smaller rooms we can break off into. 
So keeping it real simple, we're teaching two plus two equals four. Um, Martian, you're going to be working with the kids that they already got it. They know what two plus two is. They know how to do this. So you're taking those group of kids, whoever they are, and then you're working on now. What does that look like in real world experience? How can we enhance that knowledge? How can we take it on? And let's just say, let me make sure I got the names right. Mr. Dre, you're going to take the kids that they kind of get it. They kind of know what two plus two is, but they some of them keep messing up a little bit. But they're right there at that cusp to just move on into that enrichment group. So you take them into that next one. All right. And then now I want to say Mr. Meech. Is that right? Meech. <laughs> yes, sir. So, yes. Mr. Meech. You take that next group that's, again, right below where Dre was, and you take them and you're working with them. And I'm getting the kids that don't even know what a two looks like. And we're starting there. You get what I mean? And as our kids progress, they get to move into the next room that they're ready for. And based on whatever we're teaching, we get to navigate like that. So it's truly form follows function. It's the individualized lesson plans. And then we just want to make sure that our kids can be successful. Um, the, the values that we're focusing on, we're looking at engagement, we're looking at academic achievement, we're looking at leadership, teaching grit, and that enrichment. Um, that's going to be something that I think is going to be important, especially coming out of this COVID-19 period where a lot of our students have that loss in stamina, that learning loss that we just experienced, and then we have that chronic stress that's still going through. So focusing on those um, five things also with the SEL. The social emotional learning, making sure we teach kids how to be mentally strong, how to, again, go back to that self-care and things of that nature. So it's it's really going to be a beautiful opportunity, man. Um, and I'm excited for it. We got a team. We're growing. We're hiring. We're recruiting. So if you're in the area and if you're not afraid to move, come on down and check us out. Um, what? uh what position, I guess, are you still looking? Is there a way that maybe teachers can locate you to see what's still available, what you're looking for, as well as, um, gosh, I forgot my other one. Can you answer that first one? Just where can teachers find you maybe that are in the South Carolina area or maybe moving to the South Carolina area? Uh, where can they find you to kind of, you know, apply? Oh, yeah, man. Listen, we've created a school website. If you look up wjschool.org. You can find us there. So we have our school website. We're on all forms of social media. We have an Instagram page already for the school. We have a Facebook page where you can go and see all of that information as well. And we also have a LinkedIn presence. So, <clears throat> excuse me. We're trying to hit it on all formats. We are moving into the arena next of going ahead and putting out some, some YouTube videos to create that educational base to where people can kind of just come and learn how to advocate for themselves as parents, how to advocate for their kids, and just learn those little nuances that can make them successful in the arena. So if you go there, we have a teacher interest survey that's been put out. If you're looking for a leadership position, once you go to a leadership position in terms of dean of students, um, the curriculum instructor slash that's basically the instructional coach or curriculum resource teacher. That's open as well. Um, we are looking for a special ed coordinator to kind of work with those IEPs and help. I, I like to tell people, listen, there's two ways to get locked up. That's finances and IEPs. So <laughs> those are my main keys to make sure we have down pat. So <laughs> looking for a spare coordinator to make sure you know what you're doing so we can keep everybody out of orange. Um, and then a guidance counselor, which and that's the beautiful thing about charter schools, too. We're looking for a student. It's called titled student service coordinator um, to just give it a little bit more 
a breadth of opportunity to see who is interested. So you don't necessarily have to be a guidance counselor to get that role. So I have a few different things out, but if you go to the school's website again at wjschool.org, that's plural, I mean, not plural, that's singular. So just S-C-H-O-O-L.org. You'll find us out there. And we'll definitely have all the links, all the socials in the description of this episode. Um, so if you want to find uh, Dr. McGill in his school, um, want to reach out, maybe, you know, incoming parent, maybe incoming teacher, we'll make sure we have those things. Uh, Martian, go ahead. One more thing before we get up out of here. First and foremost, thank you, my brother, for coming through and spending time with us, kicking with us, talking with us about education and your journey in through and around education. Definitely and gratefully appreciate you for coming through. Um, Dre, did you have something? Um, no, I think we can go into the this or that segment because I know okay, yeah, not, yeah, 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 I know that's where you had it. I know what that's you before we get out of here, so we're going to play a quick game of this or that with Dr. McGill here, seeing that he has been a teacher, been an admin, and so we want to play this or that education edition. And I'm going to give you two options, and like the game normally goes, you say, you say either you want this or you want that. And for the that, the one that you don't choose, right, give us a brief explanation of why you didn't choose that one, okay? gonna be pretty easy we're gonna keep it like keep it variable you know who's wise right (laughs) Right. so the first one this or that would you rather lesson plan or grade papers neither um right that's tough you said lesson plan or grade papers Mm mm-hmm I'm gonna go with lesson plan. And okay, why not grade papers? Because to me, oh, I gotta say this in the nicest of way. I mean, I feel like that can be done, and that's that's a time waster. And it, it's a as an educator, there's so much other things to be done. You can really save your time with other stuff. That's so much of a time waster. If you can utilize some class time or you got some extra time and you got some kids, you know, you be like, hey, everybody pass a paper. You know what I mean? If you create that routine to get that done during your class, you're saving yourself again. Remember, I like to come home and have my time. So if I don't have to come home and grade all those papers. Then that's a beautiful thing. Um, but at the same time, I'm hesitant to say that because I think it's very important to know where your kids are, but you don't always have to grade papers to know where you need to put the students, right? Um, but in that breadth of lesson planning, I, I chose that because if you properly lesson plan, then you know where you're headed, right? You can adjust accordingly. Um, and so you can save yourself some time. I like that. I just got to build up my trust. That's all. I got trust. <laughs> <laughs> I remember doing oh, this it be like, Pass it and then pass it one more time. Then we'll pass it one more time. I still be eyeing the person that got my hey, hey, hey. Don't check me wrong now. You know that was right, right? <laughs> yeah, right. Almost, you know, but comes, but yeah, yeah. But there's ways now, man, where you can. Um, and honestly, we used to do it back. Well, not us, because I well, not me, 
the scantrons, right? When our teachers had those scantrons, we used to do the bubble sheets and stuff like that. There's little mm-hmm. ways where you can really have a quick method of grading. You can get that stuff out the way. And I guess that depends on the class because I taught math. So it's a little different, you know, but if you're English, social studies, that's a different way to grade, I guess. So for me personally, I wanted to find a quick technique to get in and get out. I feel that. I feel that. Okay, so which would you rather do, lunch duty or recess duty? Lunch duty. A lot less issues going on at lunch than recess. <laughs> you, know, you should know where everybody's at. When you're at recess, is way too much. And again, think about K through eight. Yeah, it's a, it's a different world when you got a thousand kids running around the playground and you're trying to supervise versus everybody just at lunch and you don't need to get too loud. Definitely lunch duty. Okay, I like that. Um, this one is for Dre, uh, considering that he has had air conditioning problems in his room. Would you rather have a classroom with air okay. and no heat or That's a classroom fine. with heat and no air? Um, definitely give me the classroom with air and no heat. Uh, uh, I had my room was similar to that last year, um, where it was super chill during the summer and in the winter. But I just put on an extra hoodie, extra jacket, and brought a heater and was like, Y'all gonna have to figure it out. Unfortunately, you know, it's the district title one. Sorry, babies. But, um, I definitely would always go because you can, you can throw clothes on, you can't take them off. So it's like, I would take the, the cold, the cool environment with an extra more jackets than the heat at any given time. Cause you know, these first couple of weeks of school, I, I was coming in here sweating, stressed, mad for no reason. Cause it's just heat. So give me that, man. I'll take AC all day, always. Okay, I had to ask that question just because I seen that popped up when I looked at it. I was like, I have to ask you this. Based off mm-hmm. of what you just told us, I got to ask. I ain't, I ain't losing AC no right. more. <laughs> when, I was, yeah. when we was in a portables back in the day, oh right? my God. I don't know if anybody ever thought of portables, but my room in the back, air cut off. I remember that. Before, I had bought about three. It was my first year teaching. I bought about $300 worth of like just inspirational things, anchor charts. I'm like, yeah, my room going to be the over the weekend. It broke. The wall started sweating literally all by the time I came back that Monday morning. All yeah, done. And ever since that, ever since that day. I'm not decorating no more. Been a typical male teacher. You can tell the difference between when you walk into a male teacher room and a female <laughs> teacher room because, boy, let me Always. tell you. <laughs> it looked like a straight it look, I'm trying to do better with my flags and my maps and I, but Lord have mercy. I taught ELA last year. I was like, what do I put up? Books? Like I didn't know. Like <laughs> I had to get some teammates to help me. But yeah, I'm I'm yeah, man. We, we yeah. yeah, no, I need air. AC all, at all times. I'm with you, brother. Yeah, I'm with you. AC. <laughs> I, I feel you. All right, Dr. McGiggle, another one for you, really quickly. Are we going to PD or are we going to faculty meeting? And for those that PD. don't know what PD is, is I'm talking professional, professional development. development. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. Professional development. development. 
Okay. Yes, sir. Um, the reason I did not choose faculty meetings, and again, I'm going to find out soon enough when I start to have it, but I believe faculty meetings don't even need to be lasting that long. Honestly, half the stuff we got to say, it can be most of it sent in the email. And when I meet you in person, I can reiterate the important keys. Let's have some PD and learn some stuff and get up out of here. That's my philosophy. So <laughs> somebody get PD is all bad. Somebody gets it. Okay. Uh, one more for you. Would you rather have an increase in students in your classroom, but you get an increase in pay as well, or a decrease in the number of students in your class, but you get a decrease in pay as well? And I guess that's just personally speaking, correct? Um, take it how you want to. <laughs> I, I would probably take the increase in students. And honestly, that's just because I've been in so many environments where I've had up to 40 kids in a classroom. You know what I mean? Like, listen, Martin, you you know the stories. You know what I mean? So it's I became comfortable with the, the, um, the crazy, the organized chaos. So in terms of if you're going to pay me more and I got a class of 35, 40, we're going to figure it out and we're going to make it work. Now I got a little bit of money that way. When I leave, I can at least go have a good time, and then I'll figure it out when I get back again the next day. Okay. I agree. Every every first and fifteen, I always get reminded. Outside of this already <laughs> being a passion of mine, but let's be clear: <laughs> first and fifteen, I'll be a little ragged. You know, fourteen coming, I'll be like, "Oh yeah, okay, yeah, we can reset. We good now. You know what I mean? We can." We we cool, baby girl got her new Barbie doll. Like we all right, everything is right in the world. But it's always that twelfth and thirteenth where I'm like, I'm about to put it, I'm about to I'm about to leave. I'm about to go. And he'd be like, okay, <laughs> we good now. We good now for sure. I agree. So yeah, last way it just takes a little air out of it all, you know? <laughs> I feel you on it. Okay, so last one. Would you rather supervise a field trip or supervise a school assembly? Easy. Assembly. Assembly all day. Um, and that's just me personally, because if your assembly is engaging enough, the kid's going to be with it. Um, depending on the field trip, depending on where you go, you're gonna be like, listen, y'all, this is not how you act. <laughs> you know what I mean? Some kids are just getting new places and it's like, who are you? And <laughs> when did this kid come out? You know, so I, I like to say, don't don't go out there and act like you don't you don't know where you're from. So I, I like to just, let's keep it at an assembly. Let's have a good time, enjoy ourselves, and then we'll keep on going. But if I have to supervise it, that is. Great. And Marsha, have y'all found yourself giving that mama speech to a bus of kids instead of, you know, your mom used to just turn around in the car before you got in the stove? I just turn around on the bus. Look here. Don't touch nothing. <laughs> Don't no. ask me. I dead ass gave that speech <laughs> to my seniors. <laughs> We went to the zoo, like those folks that's from Memphis or from the Memphis around the area, y'all know at the zoo, we got the zoo lights where they like put up the little Christmas lights around the zoo. You can go look at it and shit like that is cute, right? I got on that bus. I told them, I said, now when we get in this zoo, you better act like you got some damn sense. <laughs> Don't touch nothing. Don't ask for nothing. Don't look at nobody funny. You bet not fight with nobody. You bet not argue with nobody. Find you a buddy, get somebody number, and you better be back at this gate by 11.45. If 
any one of y'all late, and I do mean any one of y'all late, it'll be the last field trip you go on for your senior year. Amen yeah. and amen. Yeah. I had to get. I had to get it. <laughs> I had to. Oh, oh, in middle school, I gotta tell them. Also, ask me your question first before you ask the tour guy. Just come over <laughs> oh, to me. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta hear him out. <laughs> yeah, what's to me what you want to ask him real quick? Just because I'm in middle, I teach sixth grade. I taught eighth and seventh, but sixth grade specific because they be so sweet and it be so much good intention. But Lord Jesus, do I'll be want to turn red and jump inside my skin? I'm like, look, ask me first, then I'll tell you that's a good one. That's a good one right there. Or maybe I could answer it. So that's another one I got to do. And that's more of a, the younger age because they still like really interested in it. But yeah, ask me first. <laughs> um, that's crazy. As far as field trips go, I would say um, the most field trips I went on was in middle school with you all. And I, if I'm not mistaken, I think the last time we had a field trip, we went to the zoo and somebody got lost. Um, yes, that is correct. That, de- that definitely happened. Okay, so I'm not tripping. Um, and I can't remember who group they were in, but the benefit of being a charter, it was a lot of chaperones, a lot of parents. It wasn't my fault, but. It wasn't ours. Yeah, it was my fault, but you know, had to be that 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 educator there to go scoop him up and have that. He was already crying, so I don't think it it needed to be a uh, that that conversation. It was just more like a take a village, man. Yeah, walk the shame, more I say. Um, But um, high school, ironically, I haven't been on too many trips um, since I've been working in high school. I think the only trip I took a trip last year with some of like the the gifted kids. They went to uh, Tuskegee. That was um, that was cool. And you know, when you pulling from a a certain crop, it's not too many things you got to say anyway. Like it was already gifted kids, so they know how to act X, Y, and Z. Only thing I didn't like, we went to the um, the African American. I forgot the museum, but like I want to say in Montgomery, it's like one of the the newer museums that uh, Barack had. Uh, funded or open and it was super dope and um i feel like they were a little bit tad bit insecure a few of them were um and that's where you gotta have that talk especially we alabama it's like plenty uh of the fairer skin people in here i'm like dog if there's any place you gonna crack a joke at please do not do it in here in front of these people i don't care yeah. if you see the, the funniest thing in life you better tuck it hold it in Wait till we get outside these doors or go to the bathroom, but do not let these people see you. Yeah, do not let these people see y'all laughing at the museum. So outside of that, um, I've had too many um field trip experiences. The only time I really give that talk, Clark, like you gave, um, beginning of the year, I tell them, you know, principals come around, you admin coming here, you better look like lock the, it up. The model scholar. If you, my door stays locked. My door stays locked. So my kids know somebody's knocking nine out of ten as a kid. But if you hear that door open and I'm in here with y'all, it's probably a principal or something. And y'all attention tend to we right here. I don't care what we just talked about. Everybody lock in. So that's the closest I got to that conversation. Like, look here, y'all. Don't embarrass me because I will embarrass y'all. Not in front of them. Yeah. So let's just keep it. We like a unit. Let's keep this tight. We're gonna be good. So you know, all in all, man, give give high schools more uh field trips so they can experience that. Like, yeah, no, no, dead ass. I've also had a, a similar experience where 
I've had to have the the big brother conversation with my students, but that was I don't know if y'all remember this Meech and Dre, but when when the when when the whole class got in trouble for doing something that like come on now, y'all. I came in. I came in just to talk to you. And I would just kind of, you know, my breakout come see you. But then I was that was one of them days I was like. Just text me, dog. So, yeah. so we gonna talk about it. We had Craig take it out. So, for those that don't know, my students cheated on their math test. The whole class, the whole eighth grade class, cheated on their math test. As in, like people who ain't ever made a C on a test was making A's on this test. And the principal called them all down for an assembly, and she was fire high man going off. I had no idea what happened because I'd be oblivious to stuff, right? She said they got caught cheating. I had to walk out the room and I fell out laughing because I was like, How did y'all get caught cheating? We get back to the room and I said, I'm gonna shut the door because they know when we shut the door, that's a closed up conversation. Let's talk. I'm gonna shut the door. I said, y'all, I ain't gonna snitch on y'all, but just real quick, just just real, real quick, just for me. Nigga, yeah, I cheated on that test. About 15 hands with it. I said, okay, thank you for being honest. I surely appreciate you doing so. I'm not gonna tell the principal y'all and I already got yelled at enough. I'm not gonna make it no, no more worse for you. But quick question, did nobody think that, did y'all think y'all wasn't gonna get caught because all of y'all made an A on this test? Half of y'all can't even pass my test in my room. So I know you can't pass the test next door. You didn't think she was going to find out? You didn't think she was Don't you normally got to show work in math anyways? <laughs> somebody come out. And I literally asked, That's I said, can somebody give me the rationale? Somebody quickly give me the rationale because it's not making sense. And I told him, I said, y'all... I'm not gonna be. I'm not mad at y'all. I'm just gonna say that what y'all did was very stupid. I said, and I can't. And I reason why I can't be mad at y'all is because I cheated in school too. But the difference between oh, me God, and you is that please. my teacher don't know that I cheated on my exam. She still don't know. I made a ninety-seven on that bad boy, and I ain't know nothing on that test. She still don't know, and that's been well. It's because they lack the self awareness. If I know I'm a C student on normal, I'm gonna just try to get a low B. They that's lack literally what I said, so they don't know. They just that's gonna literally think what I think they had them. a fifty point game. That's not happening. Data does not show that. That's not. How right. I, I was like y'all. I said I love y'all to death. Y'all know I love y'all. I said, but don't do that no more. I said that was the stupidest thing that y'all could have done. If you gonna do it, do it so you don't get caught. That's the point of cheating is to not get caught, and you out here doing it wrong. Go to your next class. Leave me alone. I don't even want to talk to y'all no more. <laughs> oh, by the way, she made them all the whole grade level retake it anyway, just for people who was wondering. She, she also yelled at them, but she also made them retake it. Then we got actual true data from that. Um, sure but did. yeah, so, so but that was yeah. a that was a very funny day as a, as yeah. a middle school teacher. With yeah. that being said, once again, thank you so much, Doctor Favor. Can we give it up one more time for my brother for coming through? One yes, for coming sir. through and being with us. Two for for defending his dissertation. We gotta have you come back and talk about this one day. 
because yeah, nobody's gonna read that. Yeah, so again, as I said earlier, um, Dr. McGill here is officially Dr. McGill. He defended his dissertation a few weeks ago. Um, you want to tell the people about it really quickly, or you want to keep that in the pocket? What you want to do? Oh man, listen, it's off my shoulders now, so I'm happy to share whatever I need to as long as I ain't writing it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it was a, a basically a study on COVID 19's impact on the academic achievement gaps. And I wanted to focus on, you know, there's different gaps in achievement. So I really focus on the gender gap and the race gap. And so understanding the, let me say this in a safe space, the political terminology for gender now, my only focus was on male and female students. Um, and also when I was looking at race, I only looked into black and white students to compare those two. So really did a, a focus on third grade. And honestly, man, it was an interesting study to, again, of course, we all know there was some learning loss that took place, but there's definitely a lot more to learn about the long-term impact that COVID-19 is going to have. And honestly, just seeing now, I only studied, again, math and reading, um, ELA, for instance, but just some interesting finding is that math was impacted a lot more than ELA was, right? The, the learning deficit. And so now just trying to figure out how can we combat that or what would that look like again long term for our students as they grow. And basically, I'm curious to see based on if you were already homeschooled, if you were already in virtual school, what was that learning loss for you compared to the students who were in the brick and mortar and had to make that transition, right, to see those differences and things of that nature. So there's a lot more to learn. It's not a lot of research out there. So if you're interested in doing your dissertation, man, go ahead and put your foot into the stuff that's going to be like my professor said it best. He said, if those who do the research on COVID-19 now, 10 years from now, when we're still looking into it, they'll be looking up your information to kind of build that knowledge off of. So if we have to transition from consuming, and that's just me speaking to educators, there's a certain point to where I feel like we have to transition from just consuming that knowledge to start producing that knowledge and putting it out there. And so just having those like you're doing now, you know, putting your newsletters out there, get your articles out there, start publishing stuff, write books, you know, put your names on stuff. We're educators. We've been doing this for a long time. You know, a lot of us are experts and don't realize it yet. So I, I think it's I think we have a lot to say, as you see here, the, the team has a wealth of knowledge. So that that's basically some key points that I got from the dissertation. Cool. Thank you. Thank you. Greatly appreciate you coming through. Um, gentlemen, I sent you a copy of that. So whenever you decide to look through that, definitely look through that. We definitely yes, will have sir. you come back on and, and and dive a little bit more into your findings. Cause who knows? I'm personally still waiting on, you know, the rest of like everything to come out because I'm very, very, very interested to see like how how the pandemic impacted everybody because even with me being in a doctoral program at that point, I was like, yeah, I don't like this. I, um, this ain't it. Like this, we should have, we all should have just stayed at the house and just call it a day. Just been doing it. So, um, but yeah, brothers, y'all got anything else y'all want to add in that y'all want to throw out there before we get up out of here for the day? No, you just, on, you on the frontier of this. I, I, I think socially we all just kind of swept that under the rug and, in the mind of just trying to get things back to normal but i've just been i'm like why is nobody asking these questions about 
the education effect on students. Like people don't, you know what I mean? Like I was, I, I, so when he told me that, I told him, bro, send that to me immediately because you're going to be, yeah, you're on the frontier of that study that people don't even know that we're going to have to, we're going to have to look at. This will be in somebody's history book and it will be, it has affected, but um, just really quickly again, I thank you for coming on um, and giving us a different uh, perspective, especially as somebody's going to be a school leader in an upcoming year. Um, But yeah, if you could just, Really, um, before Dre goes, if you could just really plug the name and where you're going to be at again, um, just so we, our, our listeners can hear you out. Yes, sir. And I appreciate it again for the opportunity, everybody, to be here today. And again, it's going to be the Willie Jeffrey School of Excellence. We're going to be housed in Orangeburg, South Carolina, breaking ground very soon. So you'll be able to come check us out. And if you go on to wjschool.org, and that's singular, not plural, wjschool.org. You'll see everything you need to know. We have some beautiful tours you can go in there. We got the, that's one cool thing that we did want to do because we don't, we know we don't have a physical building. So if you wanted to take a virtual tour of, I guess, a, you know, a slight concept of what we're going to model it as, we have that on there with a the QR link as well. So just check us out. Um, follow us on all forms of social media. That way you can stay up to date. And we're on Instagram, LinkedIn, YouTube, we're about to kick off, and Facebook. So if we need to be in some other places, let us know. We're about to start our Twitter account. I think that's up and going. So we're going to get out there. We're putting our name out there. <laughs> salute, salute. Um, I didn't want to add any more to it, man. Just once again, thank you for your time. Thank you for your um, your knowledge, your wisdom, your experience sharing it with us. And definitely can't wait to have you back, man. Whenever we get the chance, we'd love to pick your brain a little bit more about a couple more um, informal things to get to know you more as a person outside of the title and the job. But we appreciate your time. Definitely look forward to reading to the dis- reading the dissertation. By all means, love, brother. Good luck on you and your upcoming year. Appreciate y'all, man. Love y'all, boys. Uh, I appreciate y'all having this platform to allow me to share that knowledge and share that information. And again, if you need me, I'm here. I'm an open book, man. I'm not too far far from you all. So whatever we need to do to build and connect, that's what we're here for. And with that being said, y'all know where to find us on Instagram at the State of How Podcast. You know where to find Dre, Dre, food. You know where to find Meech at. What is it again? Is it is it Kid Meechie? Kid Michi and Lord Mike Lowry. Thank you. I, uh, I you had it. It was like one that. of those. It's yeah, okay. I, I mean, we don't we don't remember all that old stuff. <laughs> it's okay. Uh, as Dre will put it, I'm probably going through a social midlife crisis, so like I'm changing up how I am. You see how I beat you to it. Oh, um, but anyway, yeah, follow me on those things. <laughs> Again, everything uh, about Dr. McGill's school um, will be in the description, um, as well as we're going to be sharing some updates on our own social so y'all can keep up um, with that. All right. And with that being said, y'all be great. I'll holler.